Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillah alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina ustafa Amma ba'du qala Allah tabaaraka wa ta'ala innahum fityatun amanu bi rabbihim wa zidnahum huda وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يا معشر الشباب من استطاع منكم الباءة فليتزوج فإنه أغض للبصر وأحسن للفرج ومن لم يستطع فعليه بالصوم فإنه له وجاء وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام نصرت بالشباب وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام سبعة يزلهم الله في ظله يوم لا ظل إلا ظله وقال رجل شاب نشأ في عبادة الله عز وجل أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام صدق الله العظيم وبلغنا رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين لدى سيد الروح الشريف اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم يا رب صل وسلم دائما ابدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم اما بعد respected elders and dear brothers there was a public holiday this wednesday 16th of june and the 16th of june the public holiday is celebrated as youth day the governments of the world and all the agencies of the world and the associations and organizations of the world have understood and recognized the power of the youth therefore they have allocated a day they've dedicated a complete day in the calendar for the youth and we know that in our country 16th of june has got a historical background how was this day declared a public holiday it had to do with the soweto riots and the uprising against the apartheid government and it was to acknowledge the role of the youth in the dismantling of the apartheid regime and so the youth played that major role and it is to acknowledge the youth that this day has now been named in the calendar as youth day so we have just come out of youth day and we have seen that the governments of the world have given a great deal of importance to the youth in fact everybody is trying their utmost to capture the youths that is the big word in today's time capture and it is the ambition of the governments and all the forces around to capture the youth because they know if they have the youth 
they've got the energy, they've got the power with them. So everybody is making mehnat, and everybody is making effort on the youth, and everybody wants to captivate the youth and capture the youth, because if they've captured the youth, they've got a great deal of power with them, and they have taken control of the next generation. So therefore, our Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam already 1400 years ago acknowledged the importance of the youths. And the spread of Islam in the early years and later was through the vigor of the youths of the time. The youthful vigor of the young people of that era is what caused the spread of Islam in that time. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam acknowledged the role of the youth. He acknowledged the importance of the youth in his mission when he mentioned these words, Nusir to be shabab, Allah helped me and my cause was helped and assisted by the shabab, by the youths. The youth had a very great role to play in the spread of Islam. Who was Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu? Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the first amongst the youth to accept Islam. He was a young man. Who was Zaid radiallahu ta'ala anhu? Hazrat Zaid bin Harisa was a young man. And he was brought into captivity as a slave. Amongst the slaves, he was the first to accept Islam. These were all young people. When Hazrat, when Hazrat uh, <coughs> Jafar, Hazrat Jafar radiallahu ta'ala anhu went to Abyssinia, what is now known as Ethiopia, with the Muslimin. He went with the Muslimin, <coughs> he went with the group of the Muslimin, the Muhajirin to escape the, the persecution and the torments and the torture of the Quraysh with the permission of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Jafar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the leader and the representative of the group of the Muslimin. And when the Quraysh tried to spread false information and create a negative perception of the Muslims in the mind of the ruler of that time, Najashi, then who was it that stood up in the court of Najashi and gave a stirring speech on behalf of the Muslims and he rectified the misconception and the lies and the propaganda of the Quraysh against the Muslimin? It was none other than Jafar radiallahu ta'ala anhu who was a young man. And for that matter, there are countless examples of youngsters, young people who played a very great role in Islam. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam acknowledged their role. And he mentioned that this mission of mine received divine assistance through the youth. Who was the first teacher of the people of Medina? who was sent to teach the people of Medina the basics of Islam 
after the three delegations came, the first delegation of six people came, and they were the first people to accept Islam, and they went back to Medina, and the next year a delegation of twelve people came, and they accepted Islam, and they went back to Medina, and then the third delegation came, comprising of 72 people, and they accepted Islam and they went back to Medina and they requested before that they requested Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam that now that we have come into the fold of Islam we need somebody to teach us Islam the basics of Islam the ayats of Quran the ahkam the rules the regulations the sunnah these things have to be taught to us we need a teacher who did Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam select to be the first teacher of Medina and the first teacher of the people of Medina none other than a young man very young by the name of Mus'ab bin Umair radiallahu ta'ala anhu Mus'ab bin Umair was the first teacher of Medina and he did such a splendid job that by the time Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam arrived in Medina Sharif, the people who accepted Islam by then, they had learned all the basics of Islam at the hands of the muallim and teacher Musab bin Umair radiallahu ta'ala anhu. When Nabi Karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent a delegation to Yemen. Or he sent a, rather than a delegation, he sent a, an envoy, an emissary to go and serve as a, a ruler, as a governor of Yemen. Who did Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam choose? He chose none other than a young man. A man who was extremely beloved to Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to such an extent that Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told him told him, openly declared to him, إِنِّي أُحِبُّكَ يَا مُعَاذِ I love you, O Mu'az. Mu'az radiallahu ta'ala anhu was sent as a governor over Yemen to guide the people of Yemen. And as he was proceeding, Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was leading his camel Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was walking and Muaz radiallahu ta'ala anhu was riding. He was very uncomfortable. It was not in the nature of Sahaba to in any way show any form of disrespect or lack of adab or lack of etiquette towards Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the slightest way. Hazrat Mu'az radiallahu ta'ala anhu was extremely uncomfortable. He wanted to get off the camel and walk alongside Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But al-amru fawq al-adab, command comes over and above respect also. It was the command and instruction of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, no you will ride and I will walk. Look at the humbleness of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Look at how down to earth Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was. Look how informal he was with his companions. He was not like a king or some kind of a boss. 
that he threw his weight around and he flaunted his authority that I'm in charge here, I'm the boss. You listen to me. Now Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was the most gentle human being. May Allah imbue us with these qualities. So a person Allah gives him, maybe he became owner of one business or shop, now he throws his weight around. I'm the boss here. And sometimes in the process, how many people are ill-treated, how much of zulm is done on the people, how many cases we hear that the owner, Muslim owner, on day of Eid, the workers must come straight after Eid namaz, no leave for them, whole day they must work. Where's the compassion? Where's the kindness? Where's that ukhuwat and brotherhood of Islam? And then we wonder when we get hit down left, right and center. It's not my subject matter but since I've just touched on it, let me just elaborate a little bit on this. Today how many of our people are getting hit down? May Allah protect everyone. May Allah make our hifazat. May Allah protect our Muslim businessmen and our Muslim industrialists and others. Allah save us from all kinds of afar and baliyat and calamities. But we must also think and ponder, my dear friends, that why is it that these things happen? It doesn't just happen for no reason. Yes, in some cases it is a test from Allah for our sabr. And there are those people who understand it as a test and they make the sabr and they are composed and they don't care. Okay, it happened, it's done. Alhamdulillah, they've got that level of iman. An incident comes to mind. There was a very pious man, but at the same time he was a wealthy person. He owned ships that used to stay, sail on the oceans carrying goods, like today we have container ships. He had ships that used to sail on the ocean, import, export, buying and selling. And he was at the same time a very pious person. And there's no contradiction between wealth and piety in Islam. You can be a wealthy person, but there's no reason why you cannot be a pious person and why you cannot be a salih and and muttaqi person. There's no contradiction in Islam between wealth and piety. There are countless awliya Allah of this ummah that they were very wealthy. Allah gave them tremendous amount of wealth. The great Imam of this ummah, Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullahi was a merchant of fabric. He was a cloth merchant. Dealer in fabric and he used to do huge business and by which he sustained himself and many of his students he sustained them through his earnings. So there's no contradiction or dichotomy between wealth and piety in Islam. A very wealthy person can be very very pious. And it doesn't mean that if you don't have wealth, you're automatically pious. No. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned in one narration, نِعْمَ الْمَالُ صَالِحِ لِلْرَجُلِ صَالِحِ 
good wealth in the hand of a good person is a big blessing of Allah. Because he's going to take that same wealth and he's going to support the poor, the widows, the orphans, the needy, the causes of Islam, the masajid, the madaris, the institutions. He's going to help the, 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 the suffering ummah in different parts of the world with that wealth. So, نِعْمَ malu صَالِحْ لِلْرَجُلِ صَالِحْ O كَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ salam. There's a hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam That wealth, good wealth, halal wealth, in the hands of a pious, good man, is a ni'ma of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So my dear friends, coming back to the point, that this person had these ships that used to sail on the oceans, and used to do buying and selling, import, export, very wealthy, but at the same time, he was a very pious person. One day, one person came to him and told him that we've got bad news came. He said, what is it? He said, you know, that ship with all the goods, the news came, the ship sank and all the goods have been destroyed. Billions or millions of worth of goods were destroyed with the vessel. He looked down for a short while and then he looked up and he said, Alhamdulillah, all praise be to Allah. The people were quite surprised, but nobody had the courage to ask him. Any case, a short while later, the news came that actually it was not his ship, it was somebody else's ship that sank at the ocean, his ship was safe, and it was, it was okay, and it was to dock and everything was fine, his wealth was safe. So they ran to him and came to give him good news, they told him we got good news. He said, what is the good news? They told him that, you know what, your ship is not destroyed, your ship is safe. He looked down, and a short while later he looked up and he said, Alhamdulillah. So the people were astonished that what kind of reply is this? When we gave him bad news, it was Alhamdulillah. And we giving him good news, it is Alhamdulillah. So they asked him, that how come when we gave you bad news, you said Alhamdulillah. And now we giving you good news, you are saying Alhamdulillah. He said, well, let me explain to you. When you brought the bad news to me, I looked towards my heart and I examined the condition of my heart and I found my heart was at ease and at peace, tranquil. That this is Allah's hukam, Allah's order. Allah destined it, Allah SWT willed it that the wealth will be destroyed in this way. This came from Allah, Allah took it and Allah SWT can give it back. So when I saw the condition of my heart was at ease, on that I made shukr to Allah and I said, Alhamdulillah, that my heart is not disturbed. And then they told him that second time you said, Alhamdulillah. He said, when you brought the good news, I looked at my heart again, I examined my heart. <coughs> like Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also gave us this 
directive and instruction. Istafti kalbak. Istafti kalbak. Take the fatwa from your heart. Seek the guidance. What is the view? What is coming out from your heart? Look to your heart. He looked to, to his heart. He said, I looked at my heart and, and I analyzed it. And I reflected on the condition of my heart and I found my heart was at ease and I was not excited or overjoyed by the news. I said, shukr to Allah. If Allah took it, it was His. And if Allah didn't take it, it is also His. The heart, the condition of my heart did not change. There was no taghayyur and there was no change in the condition of my heart. I made shukr to Allah on that fact that my heart has been safe and my heart is in the right uh, direction i may shukar to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that so my dear friends there are those kind of businessmen that even if they suffer big losses they will say alhamdulillah it doesn't disturb them but generally what is our condition that when we are afflicted by some kind of problem or calamity like this people go out of their minds and we must think carefully that these conditions that are coming, what is the, what is the factors behind it? The people of the past, Allah had given them safety and protection. What is it that we are doing wrong? We need to ponder, we need to reflect. There may be something I'm not doing right in my business. I may be falling short in certain aspects. Have I taken somebody's curses and badwa? Have I broken somebody's heart? Have I shattered somebody's heart? Have I ill-treated somebody? I'm a landlord. I'm the owner of a property. And if I don't treat my tenants, and those days are gone as it is. Ask the people now, the whole laws have changed. Now it becomes... Now it's the other way around. It's very difficult to be a landlord. Those years it was different. A landlord could evict the tenant at whim. Whether it's Ramadan or not, just kick the tenants out onto the streets. The poor people are looking for accommodation in the month of Ramadan. Walking door to door looking for some accommodation. Why? The landlord kicked them out. They are in the state of Rosa and fasting. The landlord is also Muslim. The tenants are Muslim. They are out on the streets looking for accommodation in Ramadan. Knocking at doors. Don't you have some accommodation? May Allah save us. You broke somebody's heart in the Mubarak month of Ramadan. A fasting person. And then we expect there is going to be barakat. And we expect that there won't be some musibat and calamity and effort that can befall us. If we didn't make sincere tawbah quickly, then may it not happen that the stick of Allah will strike us from a direction we wouldn't even know where it came from. May Allah save us and protect us. We need to ask these questions to ourselves and give an honest answer from inside. Istafti kalbak. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, Ask your heart for the fatwa and the verdict. Your heart will give you the verdict. Take the verdict from your heart. Be honest. Be honest to yourself. <clears throat> we need to think and ponder. 
Today, good causes of deen are presented. This is a very good cause of deen. There is a good cause of deen. This is a good, important contribution towards the deen. People are doing good work in different fields. There are some people working amongst the poor. There are some people working amongst the widows. There are some people working amongst the orphans. There are some people working amongst the prisoners. There are different, different areas. People are working in these fields. They are doing good work. And they come to us with sincerity, with humility, asking for support. We make empty promises. And we think, well, I got rid of the man. But we have not got rid of Allah's fasla. Allah's fasla is going to come. We may have got rid of the man, he'll walk away. He's got izzat, he's got dignity. He's, he's going to walk away. And he'll cry to Allah. Allah will grant from somewhere else. This has always been the nizam and system of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That if one door closes, ten doors will open. Once a person sent a request to someone for some contribution for an important cause, and he wrote a small note. He said, In tu'ti, Fallahu huwa al-mu'ti, wa anta al-ma'jur. Wa in tamna' Fallahu huwa al-mani' wa anta al-ma'zur. Beautiful two-line note he wrote. Something that we can write on our hearts. What he said, in tu'ti, if you give, fallahu huwa al-mu'ti, you are not the giver, Allah is the one who gave it, wa anta al-ma'jur, and you got reward for it. Because it came from Allah. The wealth came from Allah. The, the ability to give it came from Allah. The niyyah came from Allah. And the ability to dispense of it came from Allah. Everything came from Allah. Fallahu huwa al-mu'ti wa anta al-ma'jur. You got written rewards for it. Wa in tamna. You didn't want to give. No problem. Fallahu huwa al-mani. Allah has, is the one who blocked it. Wa ma'zur, you are excused. So my dear friends, when the people go with this kind of thing, and then we think, okay, I got away, I didn't give, I didn't contribute, no problem. But then it will be taken away for, from, from, from us in some other way. And there will be no ajar in dunya, there will be no ajar in akhirah. Rather bank it in the bank of akhirah. Then you find that suddenly... There's a big robbery and millions were stolen. Then there was an invasion as they are called these days. And then there was a hijacking, Allah forbid and pro, pro, uh, Allah save us. Then there was a kidnapping and hundreds of millions are going to be paid in ransom. Would that be better? Or would it be better to respond when the causes of deen are put in front? To respond favorably. And say, this is my best insurance is my sadaqah. My best insurance is my sadaqah. I give my sadaqah and that is my insurance. The story is narrated about a very pious person. That whenever he became ill, he would go to the doctor and would ask that, you know what? 
what is the medication for this particular disease or problem, or the sickness, or you go to the pharmacist, they'll say you must take these, these, these tablets, right? How much does it cost? Work out the bill, 500 rand, 700 rand, 1000 rand, okay, thank you. Doesn't buy the medication. He takes that money and he goes and makes sadaqah of it and says, Ya Allah, I'm doing this for my shifa because my Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned, Dawu mardakum bi sadaqah. Treat your sick people through sadaqah. So I've taken this with yaqeen in the words of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I've given it as sadaqah and subhanallah, every time he became ill, he became better to the barakah of the sadaqah and he did not even have to take the medication. But this doesn't apply to everybody, please. Don't go and say tomorrow that, you know what, now I'm not going anymore to buy medicine, because Mufti Sahib said, Juma time, that you know what, this gives sadaqah. That is people of that level, that darja. You must work your way to that darja before you can take that approach. But the point that I'm trying to make is that when we give sadaqah, when we give charity, when we give generously in the path of Allah, then a lot of afat and baliyat and musibat and calamities are warded off from a person. And when we withhold, then the calamities and disasters and, and all of these things befall us. Think and ponder and reflect over these things. I started off on the subject matter of the youth. And we drifted away onto another subject matter. But just to round it off again, my dear friends, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given the youth a special position. Allah and Allah's Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have acknowledged the position of the youth and the contribution and the capabilities and the potential of the youth. We need to work towards the development of the potential of the youth of our communities so that they can take the flag of Islam and carry it and they can become the next generation of strong Muslims, insha'Allah, to carry the cause of the deen forward. Allahu Akbar Allah